we need to bring much more awareness to the effect of ageism and certainly gendered ageism on professional women. You know, it's, it's a reality and it affects our financial security, our job status. And right now it's, it's under the radar. A lot of companies aren't including ageism and certainly not gendered ageism in any of their unconscious bias programs or DEI initiatives. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf, and co-host, Joyce Joya. Hello, Googleization Nation, and welcome back to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Googleization show. Uh, <laughs> my own words there. Uh, hello, Joyce. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you, Ira. Uh, Thanks for everything. Uh, things in the uh, well, you're not in the Midwest, but I guess the Southeast, right? <laughs> or yeah. Southern. I'm in the. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah I, I think Austin is. You know, actually, Austin's considered Southwest, but I never thought of it as being because it is in the Central Time Zone, after all. Sure. Right. Yeah. It's some the, the time zones are a little strange. <laughs> <Sometimes>. <laughs> and then especially when some states don't don't change at, at all. Oh, no, that's another matter. That's yeah. another matter of great that's frustration. Another, that, that's another show. <laughs> well, we've got a great lineup today and uh, really excited. Uh, we've, we've, we're going from the West Coast all the way to India. Uh, so the West Coast of uh, the U.S. and all the way to India. Uh, we our first guest today is going to be Bonnie Marcus. And uh, Bonnie's got a new book out called Not Done Yet about uh, and the focus of that is about uh, gendered ageism, uh, women over 50, how they can claim their role in leadership. Uh, And then our second guest is Professor M.S. Rao, uh, who I met through the Thinkers 360. Uh, He's actually the number one global thought leader Ah. in culture and leadership. And we'll be talking with him. Um, again, he's got a book about women in leadership. Um, he talks about soft leadership, uh, which is uh, you know, something that uh, we'll, we'll explore and resonate there. So he'll be joining us uh, for the second and, segment. And he has a new book as well. Yes. Yeah, he's, he's quite prolific, uh, even yes. more so than you and I. <laughs> so, <laughs> well. So he puts out a lot of content Uh, just to put this in the framework. I was doing a little research in the back and uh, and and again, just this morning, uh, one I I got. I don't know. I don't remember if it was a a text or an email, Um, but time, uh, I think just yesterday came out with their hundred most influential companies. It's a new list. I didn't even know time was still around, actually, but uh, it's talking talking about uh, change. Of course, it's still around. Yeah, talking about change. Well, Newsweek. I mean, Newsweek's around, but not 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 the way it used to be. Um, That's true. so. That's so, true. Time uh, just released their hundred most influential companies, and the cover was Mary Barra uh, from uh, General. Mm-hmm. 
motors. So that fit into our topic so well here. And then it, it, it took me to, I want how many other, what's the current status on that? Of how many female CEOs, women CEOs, are there in the top 500 companies? And it, and it increased a lot last year. Uh, Clorox, I remember last year at this time, I was listening to uh, the CEO of Clorox, and then two months later, he resigned. Um, he talked well, about I think, the, I think actually it went from 5% to 7.4%. Uh, it's over 8%. It was 8.2% currently. Oh, wow. It was okay. a quite a few. Yeah, it, it wasn't five. I think it was six at the end of uh, 2019 or somewhere in 2020. And then it was actually, if you read the end of 2020, it was in the sevens. And then in the first quarter of this year, there were some new people. So then I went down the, and then I pulled it up and I think there's 41 women now. Uh, I started to look and see how many women were over 50. And, oh. and the majority were, uh, but there were, there were a few under 50. Uh, the number of women in the C-suite is 21%, which is quite a gap between 50% of the population and, and 21% yes. and senior leadership. So a lot of work to be done there. Uh, also interesting, and, and I don't know if we've talked about this on some of the other shows, uh, out of those 41 women who are in the CEO roles, there's only three women of color. Mm. So, um, we have some work to do in that regard. Yeah, there's a lot of work to do. So really excited about having Bonnie and uh, Professor Rao here uh, to be able to talk about that. And uh, again, continuing the theme, I know last month or yeah, still last month in March. University. Uh, was, yeah, with Women, so important. International Month and, and so forth. So we're we're continuing that path. Uh, before we get there, uh, we're certainly talking a lot about adaptability. And uh, I, on May 20th, I'll be having my another webinar on adaptability. And Roxy, you'll put the link up there, but you can go to bit.ly forward slash AQAI 520. Uh, and uh, we're going to be uh, talking about the role of adaptability. And again, adaptability, uh, it's not just about how do you become more innovative. It's not just for how do we become more tech savvy. Uh, in order to become more diverse, to have this conversation, how do we become more open? How do we how do we have a conversation about diversity, inclusion, equity, uh, emotional intelligence, uh, empathy? You can't do any of that with if you're not more adaptable. So this is this is a skill that will go uh, in many different directions. So hopefully uh, you'll join us there. You'll hear a lot more about that. And we want to thank uh, Ingomu. Again, for being our sponsor as well as Success Performance Solutions, Joyce. Anything I missed on that? I I think you've hit all the bases, and it's time to introduce Bonnie. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Bonnie's got a new book called "Not Done Yet." So I love that title. Me uh, too. That's, that's so appropriate for so many other uh, conversations that we've had. I right. think that's, uh, what we've decided at the end of the show is that we're just getting started, and that maybe that's a, 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 there's a there's a book title in there or something else. But uh, her new book is not done yet, and it's about it's focused on uh, women over fifty, but it goes much beyond that. So we want to welcome Bonnie Marcus to the show. And, and Bonnie, would you start by telling us what the subtitle is for that book? Because I think that's a good place to start. Yeah. So it is not done yet. Exclamation point. <laughs> I forgot uh, the exclamation point. Sorry. <laughs> uh, how women over 50 regain their confidence and claim workplace power. 
So I'm a man. So as, as the <laughs> on this platform, let's talk about that, uh, about reclaiming your confidence and, and being able to regain and, and to gain the power uh, that, you know, again, uh, deserved. I mean, it goes back to the whole thing of not seeing color, not seeing gender. And that's BS because obviously a lot of people saw that uh, before. And, and how do we, and looking for ways that we can turn it. We're making incremental steps, but we need to go faster. Yeah, I think that we need to bring much more awareness to the effect of ageism and certainly gendered ageism on professional women. You know, it's, it's a reality and it affects our financial security, our job status. And right now it's, it's under the radar. A lot of companies aren't including ageism and certainly not gendered ageism in any of their unconscious bias programs or DEI initiatives. And that's a mistake. That's a big mistake, I think. You know, ageism is something we all have in common. And, you know, if we're lucky, we're going to age in the workplace and continue to add value. But it, it isn't talked about at all as one of the isms. It's, it's the only ism, I think, right now that's under the radar. Well, I, you know, the reason I think it's such a big mistake is that the older women who are still in the workforce feel a, a high sense of responsibility that they want to keep contributing. And when they're pushed out, which happens too often, the company is really losing out. The company is losing all that intellectual capital, all that mentoring capacity. It's losing a lot. So, yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I I was just going to say, so how do we, what do we need to do to encourage women to stay strong and to to step into their power and to, to see who they really are? Well, the first thing we need to do is uh, self-reflect and understand the way we may be holding ourselves back and keeping small because of the ageist assumptions and stereotypes that we have internalized. So the one thing that we can control certainly is our mindset. And we could take a really good hard look at some of the limiting beliefs that we hold that are sabotaging our careers and our our success. So for instance, if we believe we're too old to get promoted, and if we believe we're too old to even ask for a raise, then we're gonna hesitate. We're not gonna do the things we need to do to make that happen. We're not gonna voice our opinion and we're not gonna raise our hand. We're not gonna be visible in, in the workplace. Um, we're going to pull away and kind of hide. And so when we we sideline ourselves and then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where we're not going to get promoted and we're not going to get the raise because we're kind of in the shadows. So that's the first thing that we really need to do. The other, and that's the whole first section of the book is really identifying what, Uh, what these beliefs are that may be sabotaging you. And I have to say, you know, when I'm writing this book, I realize 
I'm ageist just like everybody else, you know? And somebody would say, oh, Bonnie, you know, you look, you look really great for your age. And I was like, oh yeah, you know, I take it as a compliment. I realized, wow, that's really ageist. <laughs> so, I mean, we need to, we really need to do that because it's powerful. These, these beliefs are powerful and they can really hold us back. Um, and then Bonnie, I- can I, can, Bonnie, can I ask you a question uh, before we get too far? Uh, what are some of those beliefs? What What are some of the beliefs that that get in, in the way of, of people making that change? Because I'm also thinking, and this is probably a set, another question, is people are trying to get back in the workforce. They, they want a job, but they're 54 years old and they're trying to re-enter it. How do they develop that confidence to ask for what they deserve rather than saying, if I ask for what I should get, I may not get the job. Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, over 5 million women lost their jobs or left the workforce due to the pandemic. And the research shows that um, if you're between the age of 50 and 61, you're 18% less likely to get rehired. And if you're over 60, it's 50% less likely to get. Is that just for women or is that for men and women? Women. That's women. I don't know what the stats are for everyone. Because I can tell you from, from, and again, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to say I don't believe in the ageism because it's there. I just, I just personally haven't seen it because I don't hang in that space and I'm not necessarily looking, but I hear it from a lot of men. I mean, you know, from, and, and maybe it's my connections and it's the LinkedIn conversations I have, but ageism is rampant. And, and it would be interesting to see that difference between men and women uh, if those percentages are there. But there's a lot of men that are feeling that impact as well. Yeah, but I mean, here's the thing, Ira. Women are subjected to ageism earlier than men oh, because no of the emphasis on, on our appearance. Uh, our looks and youthfulness. And so as we show visible signs of aging, all of a sudden we are looked as less competent, Mm -hmm. less relevant, less valuable. And that's based on the way we show up, the way we look. Yeah, it seems that's a combination though. There's ageism and there's genderism. And then you, you can buy more, so it's, it's almost one and one equals three. That's why I wrote the book. <laughs> um, our whole lot, as professional women, we have faced gender bias in some way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. you know, our entire career. You know, earlier in my career, when I started in the late 80s, it was really overt. You know, you we were subjected to... Um, uh, you know, sexual harassment, sexism, certainly. And um, gender bias was really out there. Now it's much more subtle. However, as we age, now we have that combination where we still aren't paid equally. We still don't get equal opportunities for advancement and sponsorship. And now that we're showing visible signs of aging, were viewed as less than, not as valuable. So well, it's that combo that is really dangerous. And and by the way, the U.S. 
is actually ahead of some areas in South America. Because if you're over the age of 40 in South America, you are considered over the hill, whether you're a man or a woman, doesn't matter. And I, I hope that that's changing now. But I mean, ageism is, is everywhere in the in the world sadly where and there's some recent research that shows that it is more prevalent depending on where you live mm -hmm. and of course uh the united states is is way up there uh compared to europe and uk um which is also shows a lot of ageism the united states and again, depending on where you live in the United States, if you live in the Northeast, there's more ageism around New York, New Jersey, and then in Florida. Um, you know, I live in California and I can't believe California isn't the top of the list, but it wasn't. <laughs> so before we get too far along, because I definitely want you to cover this, what are some of the career action planning tips that you give in your book that you could share with our audience? Well, the, the tips that I give in the book are career tips that you should follow your entire career. So I really want to emphasize how important it is to be proactive with these tips uh, and strategies now that you're more vulnerable and you're reaching 50 and beyond. So we need to be more vigilant and aware of the gendered ageism on the horizon. But some of these tips in, might include um, being strategic about your career. So really developing a plan of, of um, what is your career goal? How do you want to add value in your, um, in your career going forward? And then put a plan in place. You know. Uh, put a strategic network in place. Who do you know and who do you need to know? And how will those people support you? Develop allies, develop champions. Uh, it's really important to understand what your value proposition is. You know, how does your work lead to positive business outcomes? And then you can see opportunities for how you can help your manager, your team, your company reach their objectives. And it helps you to build influence. And then another tip would be to really be politically savvy. You know, pay attention to what's going on around you. you a career certainly isn't built in a vacuum. And um, it's important to really take note of what the political landscape is, especially for a woman, especially for an older woman. You know, so who can be your allies and champions? Who can vouch for you when you're not in the room? What does it take for a woman to keep her status, to be visible, to show her relevance and make note of all that? Hmm. Wow. Great advice. Thank you. I, I, I know you, we started on that track and I'm not sure we, we actually answered it, but I'm still curious. What, what are some of the beliefs that get in in the way? What, what, are, what are some of the origins of, of that? Okay, so one belief is that I need to look young <laughs> and attractive to be successful. Um, another one might be... So is that, so I, again, from my side, just so I'm not, you know, I don't perpetuate this ageism <laughs> and genderism. <laughs> um, it, 
it sounds like that should be more my advice um, to to the to the other person, not to look at somebody's um, you know appearance and their age, rather than you know how do you dress the part to fit my bias? How do we help change the world's bias that you know men shouldn't be looking at you know young young blondes? <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, I think that really what I try to emphasize in, in the book, I mean, I want to bring awareness around this issue, certainly. And that's the, one of the major reasons why I wrote this book, as well as giving women the tools and the voice to, to deal with this. But we can only control our own attitude and our own mindset. And we hold ourselves back in ways that uh, really affect our success, as I said earlier. So for instance, if we believe the only way we're going to succeed is if we look young, then we are probably going to hide. We, I, and I, I interviewed a lot of women who won't go to work on their birthdays. You know, they don't want to bring attention to their age. Um, they don't want anybody to say, oh, how old are you this year? <laughs> You're like, um, but when we pull ourselves out of the mainstream in any way, shape or form at work, and we are less visible, we actually become invisible. And so the, those women that I interviewed, a lot of the women felt tremendous pressure to modify their appearance. I, I interviewed a woman who said she was in commercial real estate. She knew she needed eye lift surgery. And that was her investment. She could work for the, like the next 10 years if she invested in that, in that surgery. And other women who said they had you know Botox and filler just to keep their jobs. So there is a, a lot of pressure and focus on that. Another belief as I talked about earlier, may be that I'm too old to compete. I'm too old to, to get the promotion. And again, what is the effect of that? Is that you don't do the kinds of things that you need to do to um, stay marketable, to, to really be visible and credible in the workplace. So these are examples of ki kinds of things that um, we have absorbed. Another one may be that I'm irrelevant. I have nothing of value to offer. And so then you don't raise your hand. You know, you don't offer your opinion. And that's not going to help you. It, it sounds like, and again, you know, not to give it another name, but I mean, it sounds like imposter syndrome, which has, has come out um you know, in, in a lot of roles, um, you know, we hear the same thing when we were talking about just in general DEI, you know, diversity and inclusion, uh, then imposter syndrome is, is certainly uh, plays into that and it becomes self-confidence, you know, self-awareness and self-confidence, uh, which is how you started. Uh, it's increasing the awareness and how do you build your self-confidence? Well, and, and imposter syndrome is not exclusive to women either. No, uh, no, not at all. It, it, but it, it's now becoming acceptable to understand what what uh, imposter syndrome is because there's a lot of qualified people. And but again, it's one of the reasons that people haven't stuck up for themselves in the past. 
true. And uh, usually the imposter syndrome is, is more prevalent with high achieving people, men and women. So if you, uh, you know, are more ambitious and uh, career minded, you tend to fall into the imposter syndrome um, more than others. So, so after the, after people read your book, um, <laughs> they should pick up, so you should look at uh, Mindset uh, by Carol Dweck talking about growth yes. mindset. You and know. I talked about her and I have a chapter on yeah. your growth mindset and how important it is because uh, there's, you know, all these uh, myths, I should say, or beliefs that we are in cognitive decline after 50, that we can't learn new skills, that, um, you know, that we aren't good at technology. There's actually specific research that shows that that isn't necessarily true. Um, so it's really important to stay open and keep that growth mindset and be curious. And there's so many ways that we can learn new things uh, these days. We have, uh, you know, shows like yours and podcasts and online courses and, and books. I mean, there's just so many avenues. And I talk about how important it is to, first of all, stay um, up to date with your current skills and what's needed for your current position, but also to do research about your industry trends, see what new skills may be coming down the pike and sign up for courses and learn those skills so you can be at the forefront and you can actually be in the position where you can mentor or train others. And that shows um, your credibility, certainly, and your relevance. So, Bonnie, if I were to extrapolate what you just said, uh, and I, because my next question was, what advice do you have for HR professionals to support women to own their own power? What you would recommend then, which is what you've just said, is to encourage them to take courses, encourage them to keep growing, find ways for them to contribute in meaningful ways to the organization. Is that what you would? I mean, that's one thing. I would certainly encourage HR professionals to spotlight senior women. Hmm. I mean, maybe it's a quarterly newsletter where they focus on a woman and her achievements or acknowledgements. So not only is she visible, but she gains respect because of what she has done for the company or what she has achieved. I mean, just even doing that um, would bring some kind of recognition to, to women 50 plus. And also starting cross-generational networking programs, facilitating cross-generational networking programs and mentorship. All I, of I like that one, the cross-generational program, networking programs. And that yeah, sounds like a real know, winner to me. We put people in categories based on age, based on gender, sexual orientation, race, all that. Then we make assumptions about them. So if we're boomers, we make assumptions about millennials. If we're millennials, we make assumptions about boomers. And we don't really... Um, get to know these people, we put up barriers. So if HR can facilitate uh, intergenerational 
discussions and conversations and networking and people get to know each other one on one, they understand the value they can bring to each other. We can learn from other generations. Boy, that makes a lot of sense to me. How can listeners buy your book, Not Done Yet? They can buy it wherever they buy their books. Uh, <laughs> it's on all book outlets, Amazon, certainly, Barnes & Noble, Porchlight. It should be in your independent bookstore if you want to support independent bookstores as well. And uh, your website is bonniemarcusleadership.com. Is that correct? That's correct. There uh, and, uh, and I know we can get a hold of you on LinkedIn and, and other social media as well. So, uh, one, I, we got a fin- I got one final question. I haven't asked this. I'm not sure, Joyce, I've asked this uh, uh, on as long as you've been co-hosting. Uh, but it's if if we're if you're on the show a, a year from now, Bonnie, ah. um, twelve months from now, what does that look like? What are we going to be talking about twelve months from now? We're going to be talking about what companies can do to address gendered ageism. We're going to be talking about how (laughs) companies are um, recognizing the importance and are designing programs. And um, that's what my hope is for a year from now. Woohoo. I love it. I love it. (laughs) So so the goal is, is, is we we need to get a lot of people, especially males, uh, uh, executives uh, to read, uh, to read your new book, not done yet. Um, to increase their awareness. And uh, hopefully uh, next year we'll be able to take some action on that. So, Bonnie, uh, it's been great. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks for, um, you know, leading the cause. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's, the timing is right. We were at a tipping point and uh, we're, we're coming to uh, the hard truths that there's been a lot of discrimination and biases that we've held, but accepted as normal. And, uh, you know, as a, as an, as a male, an older male, white boomer, <laughs> you know, uh, I've learned a tremendous amount over the last year of things that I thought I was open-minded and fair and equitable. And it's like, mm-hmm. eh, a lot to learn. So even you can, you can teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs> so, appreciate thank it. You, Bonnie. It was great book. to have you on. So Joyce and Ira, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Stay safe. Excellent segment. Excellent segment. A lot of good things. Uh, the the one uh, the one thing that I I didn't mention, um, I, I mentioned out of those forty one women uh, CEOs out of five hundred, uh-huh. um, three women of color. If you looked back twenty years, which is not that long ago, uh, there right. were two women, uh-huh. zero, zero women of color, <laughs> two out of five hundred. So there has been progress. And I think that's the challenge. People look at that and and say, wow, look at all the progress we've made. Right. And 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 yet, yeah, we're still at 8%. You got 50% of the population of women and 8%, you know, are are in a senior leadership role, but we're, we're getting there. Uh, We're going to continue this theme uh, in our second segment with uh, professor MS Rao uh, coming from India. So that, that should be, um, very interesting to, to pick up on that. Uh, we want to thank everyone for listening to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Uh, you're going to hear from our sponsors right now in Gomu and Success Performance Solutions. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
Imagine growing great employees and advancing emerging leaders for less than a dollar a day. The Ngomu app will support your employees in a myriad of ways, from career and personal development to health and wellness. No need to schedule and hold trainings. Just have them access over 90 coaches for live virtual group and one-on-one -on -one coaching for whatever topic they need or want to work on. Anytime, anywhere. Learn more at ngomu.com today. For many people, the bridge to the new normal is too far, too difficult, too scary. Waiting to get back to normal becomes a way of life, filled with fear and despair. But wait, why are those people who dare to travel to the new normal celebrating? Opportunity and growth? How can you get a piece of the action? The bridge between the past and the future, the status quo and the new normal is adaptability. You have a choice. Which side of the future do you want to land on? Will it be coping and surviving or growing and thriving? Adaptability Quotient is the new competitive edge. Hey, welcome back, Googleization Nation, and welcome back to the Googleization Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. Uh, we just had a wonderful conversation with Bonnie Marcus, not uh, talking about not done yet. Yeah. Uh, her new book about uh, gender, uh, genderized, is it gen gender ageism? Gender, gender ageism. Gender, and, gender and, ageism. I, yeah. and, and by the way, it's interesting, Ira. My kids have often said, Mom, when do you expect to retire? And my response is always, not done yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I just had that question uh, from a stepson the other night. Uh, we were at a party and uh, we're, uh, we were over at the house, not at a party, but we were over the house. And uh, he, he said, so when are you going to retire? When are you going to come out? He calls it the pit. My office is in the basement. But he said, when are you going to come out of the pit? And I go, I'm going to retire when I retire. Um, there's, <laughs> we're going to keep on going. So uh, we're going to continue the theme. And uh, there were so many opportunities there. I didn't want to kind of jump in, but uh, we're, you know, I, we've got the, uh, my, the, the webinar coming up uh, in a couple of weeks on adaptability. And uh, as we're talking about how do we improve self-awareness, growth mindset, um, being able to, to juggle all these, you know, as, a, as I'm thinking is if we've, we've got instances of, uh, you know, the whole diverse, the racial diversity, and then we got ageism, and then we got genderism. Uh, we have all these things going on and, you know, certainly trying not to walk on eggshells, uh, trying to be open, trying not to offend other people. Uh, we've we've all got a lot to learn. And the only way that we're going to be able to do that is through becoming learning how to become more adaptable, uh, more open minded. So uh, hopefully you'll uh, check the webinar out and join us. But right now uh, we've got a gentleman that I've been trying to meet that I'm happy to meet. Uh, we've I've been chasing his tail his uh, <laughs> uh, thinkers 360. Uh, he's number one on a couple lists, global thought leader, uh, leadership, culture. Um, there's a few other ones, um, but we're just like uh, Tom Hake, who we talked to a few weeks ago, um, and uh, a couple other, and um, uh, Bill Jensen uh, is part of 360. Uh, we're, we're all sort of in that. So the opportunity to meet a number of incredible people. So really excited to, to bring on Professor M.S. Brow. And just as an aside, Ira, I asked him, what do people call you? And he said, Professor Rao. <laughs> yeah. And there is Professor Rao. 
Hello. Welcome, Professor Rao. Good evening to you, sir, in New Delhi. Uh, thank you for having me on your show. And uh, hello, listeners. Uh, greetings from India. Yeah. yeah, and thank you for being here. Um, so I don't know if you heard any of the conversation we just had, um, but we were talking about gendered ageism. Uh, we were talking about uh, women in, in leadership roles uh, over the age of 50. And I know you've written about leadership um, uh, uh, even more than I probably Joyce and I combined, I think. <laughs> you're, you're quite prolific. I think uh, so. Out there. So let's talk about that a little bit. Are, are you seeing, are you seeing different, well, let's talk, let's start with this question. You talk about soft, you call yourself the father of soft leadership. Um, what is soft leadership? Uh, soft leadership is uh, uh, leading people through soft skills. I end my PhD in soft skills in the year 2011. And uh, I have blended soft skills with leadership because I'm passionate about uh, leadership. I served in the Indian Air Force. And why I had to find this uh, new leadership perspective is that uh, whenever I conducted training programs around 10 years ago, so audiences uh, complained that uh, they were not happy with the prevailing leadership styles. Then I thought uh, there was a gap. So since I'm a passionate researcher, so I, want to, I wanted to fill the gap. So I did research and published several research papers in the various international journals, including uh, Leader to Leader, Emerald, and I have written six books on uh, soft leadership. And uh, uh, the recent uh, book is Soft Leadership, A New Direction to Leadership, uh, which I have dedicated to the father of uh, uh, modern management, Peter Rector, and uh, father of uh, uh, modern marketing, Philip Kotler has written a foreword. And another thing is that the father of HR, uh, Dave Aldrich, who's my best friend, has uh, provided leadership code. I'll show you the book uh, so that you have an idea. One book I'll show you. Uh, uh, this is the book on uh, soft leadership. Uh, my friend Dave Aldrich has written. Uh, and I have so many books on soft leadership. And this is another book on soft leadership. Dennis Carey has uh, written a foreword. So I have so many books, so I don't want to confuse the audiences with uh, so many books. Uh, and this is the latest book, Strategies uh, to Build Women Leaders Globally. Uh, and our uh, Indian Vice President, uh, Mr. M. N. I. has written a foreword. And uh, I have dedicated this book to uh, Roger Parks, Maya Angelou, and Bokra Yes, Professor, you dedicated that book to Rosa Parks, Oprah Winfrey, and Maya Angelou. How did you choose those three women? Uh, I like Rosa Parks because she refused to give the seat when the, the, in the bus when she was traveling. Uh, she was asked to vacate. She refused to give a seat. That led to movement and uh, subsequently Martin Luther King started the movement and that changed the world. That's one. And uh, I admire uh, my Angela because my life is also full of uh, sufferings and uh, struggles. So I have dedicated. And I also admire uh, uh, Oprah Winfrey. Uh, so that, uh, that is the reason why I have dedicated uh, this book to three women leaders. Because this is about the women leaders. So I decided to dedicate to women leaders. 
and it's a coincidence that all are woven uh, of uh, color. How would you characterize the difference between men's leadership style and women's leadership styles? Uh, the thing is, uh, uh, men and women uh, biologically they are different. When the question of making decisions, uh, women are more mature, uh, cool-headed, and uh, they make better decisions than uh, men. Sometimes men may take a bit uh, harsh decisions. Uh, they may take uh, uh, aggressive decisions. So that that is one of the reasons between the men leaders and women leaders. So, I, and I think you you've talked about this, you know, uh, again with the soft side. Uh, we're seeing a lot more. Almost every conversation we have these days talks about empathy, and yeah. uh, I think just from a hardwiring, whether that's and maybe we're being biased in that sense that men aren't more empathetic, uh, but probably not. Uh, that at least that men don't know how to communicate empathy as well as a woman. Uh, so, but it's but that's even playing into emotional intelligence. So a lot of the themes we're we're hearing about diversity and inclusion, better communication, collaboration, innovation, open mindedness, adaptability, those all you know certainly align under soft skills. Um, but they, it seems that women are more, you know, may, maybe not hardwired for it, but they're definitely better at, at delivering it. But, See, as you said, uh, uh, women are more empathetic. That's one thing. And they are more collaborative. Unlike men, men who often compete, they don't collaborate. That's one thing. And women can multitask, which uh, men can't uh, multitask. So there are some uh, basic differences between men and women. Uh, so I wanted to highlight uh, women empowerment uh, because uh, I have signed up for a hashtag he or she. I look at gender equality globally. So I started uh, writing research papers on women leadership and I have published even uh, research papers on women leadership. Then I thought, why not to uh, write a book on uh, women leadership to encourage women? Because uh, uh, you, the world cannot, uh, a bird cannot fly with one wing. A bird needs two wings to fly. If the society has to grow, both men and women have to work together. Uh, if women also uh, collaborate and work with men, so we'll be able to build a better world. So what we need to do is that men should uh, have a shift in the mindset towards women and uh, they should handhold they should handhold women and instead of uh, going with the superiority complex they should empathize with women and they should uh, collaborate with women uh, so that uh, organizationally you can improve productivity and performance and uh, nations also can uh, achieve peace and prosperity Professor, what do you think companies should be doing to encourage more women to move into leadership roles? You see, the challenge is that uh, there's a glass ceiling which is still hidden. So women are not being uh, promoted. It is still prevalent. So that glass ceiling has to be broken. So when I wrote this book, I think I wrote this book three years back, uh, women 
have less number, there are a very less number of women CEOs. I thought uh, uh, there would be more number of women CEOs within a short span, but which uh, didn't happen. That means still there is some uh, glass ceiling uh, that is uh, preventing women uh, to pick up a lot of leadership roles and responsibilities. So, Professor, um, what are you seeing a difference? I mean, you know, we're obviously almost halfway across the world from you. Um, are you seeing a difference internationally? Are you seeing a difference in Asia uh, or Europe uh, in in women leadership? Or, you know, th this is obviously universal, but it, does it seem to be, uh, you know, is, is the West is the West and especially the U.S. a little bit behind uh, ahead? Uh, is is the, or maybe in, in the terms you just talked about, is is the glass is the glass ceiling thicker in the U.S. or in India or in a in Asia or in Europe? Uh, glass ceiling is prevalent across the world, but it is prevalent more in Indian context because if you look at the women CEOs, there are very few women uh, CEOs like Kiran Mojinder Shah. Bayakon CEO. Earlier we had Indira Nui uh, and uh, she left. So now uh, the thing is that this is uh, a global challenge, this glass ceiling, but it's more or less similar uh, across various nations. We really appreciate you being here. We're, we've got to kind of wrap up here. We're almost at the end of the show. How can people get a hold of you? How can they uh, purchase your books? What's your website? If people uh, type on search engines as Professor M. S. Rao, they can find my LinkedIn. Uh, they can find me on Twitter. They can purchase my books on Amazon. All my fictive books are available on Amazon. And my message uh, to your listeners is that advocate gender equality let us support women wholeheartedly so that we can build a better world. Well, we again, we appreciate your effort. Appreciate you being here. It's one of the opportunities that uh, I've had last year to meet people like yourself, you know, certainly through, think through uh, Thinkers 360. If you want to know a little bit about uh, more about Professor Rao, you can also go to Thinkers 360 as well. Uh, uh, incredibly active up there, a lot of information. But I appreciate you being here. Thank you. And I know it's late for you. I uh, appreciate you being here. Thanks very thank much. You, Professor. It's night in India. And uh, thank you for this opportunity. But I would like to appeal the world in this forum. India is facing an acute uh, coronavirus crisis. And we supported the world. So I request uh, the developed nations to support India because we are having a very tough challenge because of. Uh, Coronavirus. So I request uh, advanced nations to support India at this uh, hour of crisis so that we can uh, uh, emphasize humanity. And you were one step ahead of me. I was going to say, stay safe. We're very aware yes, of what's going on. And, uh, hopefully, uh, you will recover as we are uh, all now. As Professor, we are. So. Professor Rao shared with me that he is not even living in the same space as his wife in India, mm -hmm. just so that they can stay safe. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Stay safe, please. Thank you. Thank Professor. you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. <laughs> our, our, our global international show, and it just shows <laughs> uh, the universalism of the challenges that we have. Um, Indeed. Sad. I mean, that's sort of he's where we were a year ago, and 
we learned, but we didn't learn, did we? So hopefully we will learn about women in leadership. <laughs> well, and one of the things that we really learned <laughs> throughout this pandemic is that leadership can make a huge difference. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, not only, yeah, not only politically, but yes, uh, correct. Look at some of the, the organizations and, and what's being done and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's an uphill battle. I, I couldn't stop to think of, um, uh, with Romy, Romy Newman, we talked about the glass ceiling right. uh, just a few weeks ago from uh, Fairy God Boss. And, you know, right. she talked about the sticky floors and glass escalators. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and Georgine uh, Hung is going to be, uh, who's the founder of uh, Fairy God Boss uh, with Romy, uh, is going to be our guest in next uh, week? Oh, uh, okay. a few weeks, two, two or three weeks. Yeah, so we'll continue that conversation. But as soon as I hear glass ceilings, I think about the uh, the <laughs> very uh, god boss. Yeah, yeah, right. So right. And glass escalators, as I recall, are not even for women, right? Uh, uh, well, it, it had to do a little bit more with uh, diversity. Just uh, you know, white white males have the have the the, the escalator. You know, right? Sure. Exactly. That's what I said. Yeah. So we'll be continuing this theme, uh, obviously, in 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 the future because it's incredibly important. Hopefully, we can increase that self awareness and help people's confidence, and uh, hopefully, we can. Uh, as with uh, in Gomo, I love I, I love that hashtag. I wish I thought of it. Be more. Yes. <laughs> you know. Yes. So we, we thank uh, Ingomo for being part of the show, Very uh, for much. helping us be here. We look forward to hearing about their launch uh, the next uh, few weeks or, or, or months. Uh, we thank Success Performance Solution as well. We thank you, the listeners, uh, for being part of this. Uh, and we will be back as we always are uh, Wednesdays, 1 p.m. live. Excusers Googleization, uh, and on See all you your favorite. Week. All, all your favorite podcast. Um, don't forget to sign up for the uh, webinar coming up, uh, bit.ly forward slash AQAI520. Um, we'll be talking about adaptability in just a few weeks. And until next week, don't let the shift hit your plans.